All right. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Grace Community Church Wednesday night service. Thank you all for coming out. It's really good to see you guys, uh, all of you. And thank you for tuning in if you're watching online. If this is your first time watching, my name is Wade, and we're glad to have you. So, that being said, let me go ahead and open us up in a word of prayer, and we'll get right into tonight's message. Father, thank you for another opportunity to get up here and, and share the message that you've laid on my heart this week. Father, I just pray for everybody that's here and everybody that's watching online, God, that you would just open our hearts and minds to, to hear what it is you're saying to us. And God, I pray that you'll help us to remember it and apply it to our lives, Lord, and teach us how to be obedient to it so that we can bear the fruit that you want us to bear. And we'll give you the glory for that. And it's in Jesus Christ's holy name I do pray. Amen. Uh, like I told you last week, we were going to pick back up in Hebrews chapter 12, if that was God's will this week, and it, it was. So we're just going to pick up where we, where we left off last week. Uh, like I said, we started a study in Hebrews 12, and I, I hope you were here for that last week, but if you wasn't, uh, you can look it up on on the, our Facebook page, or you can find it on YouTube. But tonight, like I said, we're just going to pick up where we left off last week. Last week, we only made it through like a, a verse and a half. We talked. We started out in Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. And uh, I'll go ahead and read those again. Verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so a great cloud of witnesses, and we talked about last week that that cloud of witnesses is talking about the people Hebrews talked about in chapter 12. It's talking about, you know, all the old prophets and uh, all the men and women of God that came before us. Uh, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with the patience the race that is set before us. And chapter two, or chapter 2, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, of our faith, and that's as far as we got last week. Uh, and we talked about that word looking last week, and we shared the definition with you. And what that means is to look away from something so that you can see something else. And we went into quite a bit of detail last week uh, about that. <clears throat> and we talked about, you know, it sounds easy, just lay aside all that weight and sin, but it's not that easy. You know, we need God's help to do that. But like I said, most of what we talked about last week was that looking word. And I shared that def definition with you, that it was a, it's in the Bible 30 times, and it was translated 17 different ways, but the translation for that verse is only in the Bible one time. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a little more about that in a minute. I just wanted to remind you of that. And we talked about how most of us believe in Jesus. We know he's there, but he's not our focus. You know, we're always looking at something else and not focused on Jesus. And uh, we've got that definition for that word backwards. You know, like I said, the, the definition means to look away from one thing so that you can see another thing. But uh, most of the time, we're looking away from Jesus because we're focused on all these other things. We're focused on worldly things, and we get distracted by them you know that's what pastor josh preached on a couple of weeks ago was being distracted by the things that the world has to offer uh I shared some verses with you out of first john chapter two 
in verse 16, you know, it says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the things that we get uh, distracted by. And the NLT version says that the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything that we see, and pride in our achievements and our possessions. But these things are not from the Father, but are from this world. Uh, all the world has to offer us is cravings, and cravings produce more cravings. And that's why we're never satisfied. We're not searching for anything that has any lasting value. We're just chasing our cravings. And uh, a craving will never satisfy you. You're always going to wind up needing more, just a little bit more. And we also talked a, a little bit last week in First John chapter 2 and verse 17 that all those things are temporary. It says the world passes away, and the lust thereof, even the lust we have, is temporary. You know, when this world passes away, our lust passes away with it. But he that does the will of God lasts forever, it says. So the only thing that lasts is God's Word and the Spirit of God inside you. But it's our choice. Uh, and we talked a lot about that last week. We have to choose eternal life. We have to choose Jesus over the temporary things that this world has to offer. And that's really hard for us to do. Uh, you know, we read a verse out of Hebrews 11 last week talking about Moses. Uh, said he chose to suffer with the people of God in Hebrews 11:25, rather than enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. And uh, that's, the, that's the reason why we have such a hard time making that choice, to look away from our sin or to look away from worldly things and look to Jesus is because we enjoy our sin because there is pleasure in it for a season and that's why we have such a hard time making that choice we don't want to do what jesus says in luke chapter 9 and verse 23 and uh, he says if any man will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily we have a problem with denying ourselves and without the spirit of god inside us the holy spirit to guide us all we're left with is our soul and I tell you all the time, uh, if you're being led by your soul instead of the Holy Spirit, then you're going to come first. Our soul is selfish. You know, we're born selfish without the Spirit of God in us. You know, that's, that's our default. Take care of number one. You know, you come first. You trump everybody and everything else in your life. You know, I'm going to meet my needs first. I'm going to meet my wants first, my desires, my cravings. All of those things are going to come before I please my wife, before I please my husband, before my kids, before my friends, and even before our relationship with God. And I, I know that's hard stuff, but it's the truth. You know, if you're not surrendered to God, if you're not being led by the Spirit, and you're still being led by your sin nature and your own desires, that's what James says. We're led astray by our own desires, our own lust. That's what causes us to do the things we do. And I told you last week, the biggest thing in our life that we're going to have to look away from in order to see Jesus is the mirror. It's ourselves. Uh, just like Moses making a choice, we got to make a choice too. You know, Moses didn't have to make the choice he made. He had it made. He was uh, called the son of Pharaoh. You know, he could have been... He could have stayed right where he was and been ruler over Egypt. And he could have had anything he wanted, anything his heart desired for the rest of his life. Uh, 
You know, he, he wouldn't have had to do anything except what he wanted to do. And that's, that's our problem. Most of the time, it's what I want, what I want to do. I don't want to be inconvenienced. You know, we, we get mad when people drive slow in front of us. We are so spoiled. And uh, he could have been that spoiled the rest of his life. But he made the choice not to do it. And the reason he did that, because he knew in his heart who he was. And he knew who his God was. And uh, he knew at the end of his life, he wouldn't have anything without God. Uh, no matter how long he lived, without him, he knew he had nothing, you know, when this life is over. We've been sharing that verse for the last three or four weeks in First John chapter 5 and verse 12. He that has the Son has life, and he that has not the Son of God has not life. So without the Son of God, we don't have anything either. Just like Moses could have stayed in Egypt and had everything his heart desired, he knew who he was, and he knew who his God was. And he knew when this life is over, and it will be over sooner than you think. I mean, uh, the older I get, the faster it goes. You know, when we're 20, 30, or something like that, life seems like it's going to be really long, and we've got a lot of things to look forward to. But the older you get, the, the more you can see, life goes by really fast. And uh, if life ends and you're not, and you don't have Jesus, you know, if you don't have the Son of God, then you don't have life. You've already lived all the life you'll ever have. And I tell you all the time, one of the scariest things I've ever heard in my life was that verse, depart from me, I never knew you. And I, I definitely don't want to hear that myself, and I hope none of you ever, ever hear that either. So we have a choice. We have to deny ourselves, look away from ourselves, and follow Christ. Or we can look away from Christ and follow our own lust and desires. Uh, you know, I always tell you that Jesus don't ever ask you to do anything that he hasn't done first. He is our example, and uh, I don't think there's any exceptions to that in the Bible. Everything he's ever asked me to do, he did it first. And I can find it in the Bible and prove it to myself first. But I can, I can share it with you, too. If we go on and read the rest of verse 2, where we left off last week, it says, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. All right, we made it through two whole verses. And it only took us two weeks. But that's okay. Uh, I'd rather understand two verses than it take me two weeks to do it than to read a thousand and, and not understand any of them. You know, God don't want us to just flip through his word. He wants us to, to get it. He wants us to understand it. That's the only way we're ever going to be obedient to it. You can't be obedient to something if you don't have a clue what it's saying. And uh, that's why I look up definitions and stuff. And that's, that's why it takes me a little while to explain things to you because I don't want to just get up here and, and fill a time slot. <coughs> I would like to thank him actually helping you understand what God's Word says. So I'll read the rest of that again. And it's talking about Jesus. It says, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So just like, you know, we had to make a choice, and Moses had to make a choice, Jesus made a choice too. You know, just like Moses, he could have stayed at home. He had everything he needed in heaven, and uh, he would have never wanted for anything. He already had eternal life, so there was absolutely nothing 
that he needed, but he made a choice, and his choice was me and you. His choice was us. We are the joy that was set before him. That was you. And he endured the cross for you. You know, he was shamed and tortured and spit on for you and me. And uh, he went through all those things <coughs> for us. We were his choice. And now he's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God making intercession for us. Uh, it says that in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. And I love this verse. I like the way it says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. That is his whole purpose, to save all of us to the uttermost. I love that. You know, I tell you all the time, it don't matter where you've been. You've never went too far. It don't matter what you've done. It don't even matter what you're doing now. Uh, just come to Jesus, and he will save you. He can save anybody. You know, that's why he came. So we would have forgiveness of sin. We can receive salvation and have eternal life. He don't want us to just have a good life here. He will help us to have a good life here. But he came so we could have eternal life. So, like I said, it don't matter where you are, what you've done, or what you're doing right now. Just come to Jesus, and he will save you. So Moses was a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament, you know, choosing to deliver God's people over just pleasing himself. And Jesus is our example. You know, like I just said, he chose you and me over himself. So we have to choose him over ourselves. He chose us over himself, so we need to choose him over ourselves. Uh, Jesus says in John 15, in verse 13, says, Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And uh, that don't mean Jesus expects us to be crucified for him. That's not what he wants for us. But he was crucified for us. He was crucified for us because he was the only sacrifice that was worthy of our redemption. If he wouldn't have done what he did, there was no other way to get it done. He was the only sacrifice that could offer us forgiveness of sins, the only sacrifice that could offer us salvation and eternal life. And uh, we can read that in Ephesians 1, in chapter, I mean, verse 7. I don't know why I keep saying chapter tonight. And it's talking about Jesus, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. But he does, like I said, he don't want us to be crucified for him, but he does want us to love one another. If we'll go back to John 15, uh, the verse right before the one we just read, verse 12, it said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You know, how did he love us? He gave up his life for us. So we should give up our lives for each other, not just for him, you know. We should love each other the way he commands us to. He wants us to tell others about him so they can receive eternal life. He wants us to share his gospel and lead people to Christ. And uh, so how do we do that? You know, just like last week, we studied that word looking tells us how to, how to lay aside every weight in our sin by choosing to look away from it and look at Christ. Uh, Hebrews 12.3 tells us how to love other people when they're not easy to love, how to share the gospel with Jesus with people that are hard to witness to. 
you know, some people are really hard to look to witness to. Most people are not looking for Jesus. Uh, most people, like we just talked about earlier, they're looking out for number one. You know, that was me. I was really hard to witness to. I didn't care about anybody or anything but myself. I had tunnel vision. You know, if you if you try to interfere with that, then uh, you were a threat to me because I didn't want to give you any of my time. I, I didn't have any time for anything but myself. And that's the where that's where most people are when we meet them. You know, most people are not looking for Jesus. Uh, remember how I told you that word "looking" last week. It's in the Bible 30 times. It's translated 17 times. And the translation for that was unique. It was only in the Bible one time. Well, uh, there's a verse, I mean a word in this verse. I'll go ahead and read it. Hebrews 12.3 says, For consider him, Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. And uh, we'll be talking about that a lot tonight. But that word consider in this verse, it's in the Bible 67 times. But it's exactly like the word looking. It's translated 17 different ways, and it's only used once in the Bible in this translation, in this verse. And uh, so it's unique to that verse, just like looking was unique to verse 2. And uh, I don't think that is coincidence. You know, Jesus is unique. You can't look at him like you look at anyone or anything else. And uh, I believe that's why he had his own special uh, translation for that verse. And we can't consider him like you would consider anyone or anything else. Uh, so it has its own special translation too. That word consider in verse 3 there, it means to estimate. It means to contemplate on that. It means to give some really deep thought to it. It means to study is exactly what it means. Uh, so if we look at that verse that way, it says, Study him that endured such contradiction of sinners, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. And uh, that word minds there is translated spirit. It actually means our spiritual life or our faith. So if we read the verse in that context, it says, Study him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your spiritual life or your faith. And uh, so the reason most of us grow weary in our spiritual life or our faith is because we're either still selfish and we care more about ourselves than we do about our faith or other people, or we're trying to do it on our own strength and our own understanding. Uh, I was there for a long time. Like I said, we may believe in Jesus. We know he's there. and uh, But our focus is not on him. We're still trying to do things on our own strength, still trying to lean on our own understanding and do things our way. And that's why we get worn out spiritually. You know, we're still trying to do it our way. That's why that verse 3 there says to study Jesus. He's our example. And if we don't do things his way, we're just going to get weary and we will grow faint in our spiritual lives. Uh, so if Jesus is our example, how did he do it? You know, it says to study him. So how did he do it? A good example of that, or I think one of the best examples of that is in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. 
In Philippians 2, verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Jesus humbled himself. So if he's our example, you know, we need to humble ourselves. And Jesus was always submitted to the Father, always. There's never a place in his life where he wasn't submitted to the Father and more willing to do the Father's will than he was his own. You know, I'm, I hear a lot of people, matter of fact, I hear this quite a bit. Uh, they say, well, I'm not Jesus. He was the Son of God. It was easy for him. And uh, I disagree with that 100%. It was not easy for Jesus. As a matter of fact, I, I think it was harder for him than it would be for any of us. You know, he had ultimate power, and he gave that up to come here. Uh, I don't know about you, but if I had the power that Jesus had, I don't know if I would have gave that up. I don't know if I would have laid it down and came just so you could be saved. And he did. He chose to go through this. You know, we didn't choose to go through this. We're here. We were born into it. But he gave up perfection and ultimate power to come and do this for us. Uh, like I said, I don't know that I could do that. I'll let you answer the question whether whether you could or not, but I'm not sure that I would. Uh, not in my own strength anyway. But he had the power, and he chose to lay it aside uh, so that he could go through everything that you and I go through. He chose to go through the things that we go through every day. Like I said, we're born into it, and we go through circumstance after circumstance, but he chose to come and go through the same things that we go through, but do it without sinning, so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for us. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So don't ever think Jesus doesn't understand what you're going through. He does. That verse right there says he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He cares about what you're going through. So no, it, it wasn't easy for him. And it's not easy for us either. And it's not easy for us to humble ourselves and be submitted to the Father like Jesus was. But that's what we have to do. Uh, we just read in Luke, you know, we have to die to ourselves and deny ourselves like we read earlier. Uh, Jesus died to himself. And he denied himself and left heaven and became a man. And uh, I think sometimes we forget he didn't just go from heaven and then show up as full-grown Jesus. You know, he went through a whole process for us. He didn't just transform into a man. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. You know, his mother gave birth to him. He was born as a baby. And he had to grow up. He went through all the things we had to go through. You know, he had to go through puberty. He had to deal with his brothers and sisters and friends. He had to go through all the things that we go through. So no, it was not easy for him. Uh, in Hebrews 12 and verse 4, 
It says he resisted unto blood fighting against sin. Uh, that verse is talking about when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested and then tried and crucified. Uh, he was praying to God, if there's any other way, you know, please let, let's do it that way. If there's any other way besides dying on the cross, let's do it that way. You know, Jesus didn't want to go through the pain of a lot of things either. And uh, just like we don't, we have a hard time choosing to do this because we know it's not going to hurt. It's easier for me to just stay in my sin, uh, easier for me to just, even though this ain't a really bad thing, I know God don't want me to do it. It's a whole lot easier to just keep doing it than it is to to discipline myself and make myself quit doing that. You know, we were talking about that last night in celebrate restoration. You know, that's why we're called disciples. It takes discipline to follow Christ, self-discipline. Uh, like I said, God's not going to yank anything out of your hand. You've got to discipline yourself in order to follow Christ. He gives us the rules. He gives us the guidelines to go by. But we are the ones that have to make the choices. Uh, but it wasn't easy for Jesus. In Luke 22, verses 42 and 44, this is where he is in the garden and uh, praying. And it's Jesus saying, Father, if you be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And, uh, you know, that's a real medical term. Uh, it's called hematohydrosis. I looked that up. But that really happens when you get so stressed out. Uh, his his blood started coming out as sweat. But most of us, you know, that verse we just read in Hebrews, it says we've never re resisted sin that much, not under blood, but Jesus has. But most of us, when we, when the fight gets hard, you know, when the temptation gets so strong that we can't take it anymore, uh, just like we read in verse 3, we get weary and faint in our minds or our spiritual life. And, uh, we give in to the temptation. Like I just said, it's easier to just go ahead and do it than it is to, to fight through it. And that's why most of us stay in an endless cycle of almost make it, almost make it, and then fall right back down. And uh, we got, at some point, we've got to choose to trust God and fight all the way through the thing. Trust God's going to be there on the other side of it. Uh, but we grow faint in our faith and we give in. But if we really study Jesus and follow his example, like we just read here in the garden, stay submitted to the Father, even when it's really hard. You know, verse 43 of Luke 22 says, an angel from heaven came to strengthen him. And I've heard people say, see, I told you that was easier for him because he was the son of God. He had an angel helping him. We've got something greater than any angel from heaven that comes to strengthen us. We've got the Holy Spirit. If you surrendered your life to Christ, the Bible is very clear. You received the Holy Spirit of God to live inside you. Uh, I would rather have that any day than an angel strengthening me. And if we just stay submitted to the Father like Jesus did, the Holy Spirit will give you the strength to resist the temptation. Uh, just like cravings are temporary, so is temptation. If you resist it long enough, it will go away. 
Uh, we see that even when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness. The devil tempted him for 40 days. But eventually, it says it departed from him for a season. So temptation is not forever. Fight your way through it and quit giving in to it. But you'll never make it through on your own strength or your own willpower. You do need divine help. We need the Holy Spirit uh, to help us through those things. And the only way we keep the help of the Holy Spirit is to stay submitted to the Father like Jesus did and willing to do His will instead of our own. Uh, you know, if the Son of God needed assistance from an angel in His moment of temptation, then we definitely need some divine assistance from the Holy Spirit when we get tempted to give in, you know, to our own desires. And, uh, you know, when I preach on things like this, everybody thinks about drugs and alcohol and, and pornography. That's the main three things everybody thinks about. You know, what about your anger? You know, when you, when you get to the point where you're tempted to let somebody have it, then rely on the Holy Spirit. Help. You know, I'm getting angry and I know I shouldn't. Don't let me open my mouth. Or bitterness. You know, help me. I've got this grudge against somebody. I just can't let go of it. If we bring these things to God, He will help us with them. I mean, He helps us with drugs and alcohol too, but He, he wants to help us with our lust problems. He wants to help us with, you know, all the petty things that we hang on to, argument that we had 10 years ago that is still bothering us today. God wants us to get rid of that. And the reason that we don't deal with those things, like I said, most of the time, it's easier to just keep doing it than it is to fight our way through it and get better. Uh, I love Psalm 46 and verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You know, God is always there to help us. We just don't call out, call out to him all the time. We feel justified in our anger or bitterness, or we're still enjoying our drugs and our alcohol, and we don't want to give it up. But if you really want help with those things, that verse says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, and he won't turn you away. If you ask God for help in the middle of your temptation, he will help you through it. But, uh, like I keep saying, we've grown so accustomed to we'll fight for a while and then we'll give into it. And, uh, you know, we've got to the point we've done that so many times that we're okay with that. And if you're okay with that, that's exactly where you'll stay. I was okay with that for a while and uh, for a long while. And we think we're all right because, you know, I put up a good fight, but it got me again. And uh, we did that so much, or I did that so much, that it just became acceptable. And, uh, you know, I know I'm inevitably going to lose, so every time the fight got a little less and a little less, so I'm just going to wind up doing it again. So why do, why do I need to keep fighting it? And I think that's the case for a lot of us. You know, whatever it is for you. We've grown accustomed. We've grown weary and faint in our faith, and we don't believe anymore that we can overcome, uh, you know, I remember when I first started trying to quit drinking, I was gung-ho, I'm going to do this. But I failed so many times that I just lost hope that I'll never overcome it. And I wound up going back into it and worse off than I had ever been because I was still leaning on my own understanding, still trying to do it on my own willpower, my own strength. But when I came to God with it and said that I'm done. I don't care if I die. I'm giving it to you. 
then it, it wasn't even a struggle from then. I wish I would have known and believed that. People told me that years before, but I didn't trust God and I didn't believe what they were telling me. If you will bring it to God, he will help you with it. You have to believe God and you have to trust God. That's why it's called faith. You know, if that's where you are, if you've grown weary and faint in your faith, consider Jesus, like verse 3 says, study Jesus. You know, he got weary and faint too, but even when it was at its worst, even when it was at its hardest, you know, he chose to stay submitted to the Father. He chose to be obedient to God even when that was the hardest thing to do. And, uh, you know, like KOZ for our boys, you know, that's their motto, we do hard things. If we're teaching our kids to do that, we need to teach ourselves to do that. You know, sometimes confession and repentance is hard. It's not easy to deny ourselves. It's not easy to do the right thing. It's painful. But if we want to overcome it, if we want relief from it, if we want to get on top of it instead of underneath it, then we have to fight our way through it. And sometimes that's not easy. You know, being obedient is not easy sometimes. Sometimes we have to go against everything we learned in life to this point. You know, uh, that was for sure the case for me because, you know, all my life I've been taught one way, and then when I come to Christ, you got to go a completely different way. So we have to relearn everything. And sometimes our flesh seems so strong and our spirit is so weak that being obedient just don't seem possible. Uh, sometimes being obedient is going to come between us and our loved ones. You know, not everybody wants you to straighten up. They enjoy their simple lifestyle. They don't want you going a different direction. They want you with them. You know, I had to overcome that in my life too. They're our friends. So obedience is not easy, but it does get easier as we grow in our faith. It gets harder if we get weary and faint in our faith. But the stronger we get in our faith, uh, the easier being obedient becomes. The more you do it, the easier it is. But obedience is learned. Uh, it don't come naturally. You know, we're not born obedient. We're born with the same nature. We're born rebellious. We're not born to obey. So that's something we have to learn. And uh, I keep saying that Jesus is our example and uh, that it wasn't easy for him either. He had to learn obedience too. And uh, I've told some people that, and they're like, Jesus didn't have to learn nothing. And uh, he did. The Bible says he did. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. And this is talking about Jesus again. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears, unto him that was able to save him from death. That's talking about him in the Garden of Gethsemane that we just read about. And was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, though he was the son of God, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obeyed him. Uh, so he learned obedience. And we have to learn it too. You know, like I said, it don't come naturally. We have to obey intentionally. Uh, and just like Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered, we learn obedience by the things we suffer too. Uh, 
You know, we read it a while ago, denying ourselves and choosing the Spirit over the flesh is painful. But everything that we put to death in us, God brings to life something else in us. You know, something better. And the more we're obedient, <clears throat> the stronger our spirits get and the weaker our flesh gets. And when I say our flesh, I'm not talking about our skin and bones. You know, we do wrestle with that too, but I'm talking about our soul. You know, the Bible calls our soul the flesh and the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit. But uh, that's what I'm talking about when I say flesh. So every time, you know, we deny ourselves, and be obedient to the Holy Spirit, obedience gets easier and easier to the point uh, where you've been obedient so long, now you're obeying more the Spirit than you are your soul, then you'll have to force yourself to be disobedient. You know, once you learn that and practice it so long, then that becomes your new nature. You know, I tell you all the time, when we come to Christ, we have a sin nature. But once you surrender to Him, you take on a divine nature, your new nature. You're born again from above, the Bible says. And you're controlled by the Holy Spirit. So once you've learned how to walk in the Spirit, then you have to force yourself to be disobedient in order to fulfill the desires of your flesh. But it all comes back to being submitted to God and surrendering your will to His. Uh, James chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. We shared these a couple of weeks ago. It says, but God, he gives more grace. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. You know, as long as we're prideful and we're going to do things our way, then we can't expect grace from God. We can't expect help from God. But when we humble ourselves, like that verse just said, then God will help us. He gives us the grace that we need to deny ourselves. And in verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. <clears throat> draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So that's pretty clear instructions right there. You know, humble yourself before God. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And a lot of times that means deny myself the thing that I really want to do that I know I shouldn't do. Resist the temptation. Resist the urge to give in to my, my own desires, my own lust, and rely on God's strength, not your own. He will never fail you if you place your trust in Him. But we got to trust God. You know, like I told you a minute ago, I heard the truth a long time before I was obedient to it because I didn't trust God. You know, I don't know why so many of us find it hard to believe that God not only hears our prayers, but is ready and willing to help us. Uh, you know, that's where I was. And, you know, I didn't have a problem at believing that God knows everything bad I had all, always done. But some, for some reason, I had a problem thinking that God will help me overcome this. God will help me do this if I just trust Him. And, uh, you know, that's what Proverbs 15, 3 says. It says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. He's not just looking at all the bad things. God sees the good things too. Uh, you know, we just read in Psalms that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of need. But we got to believe that. Uh, we just read Jesus said, No greater love has a man than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus did that. Jesus is God. I don't know what it's going to take for us to realize that God 
is on our side. He calls us his friends, you know. He wants us to prosper. He don't want us to suffer and be miserable. In 3 John chapter 1, uh, verses 2 through 4, he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that was in you, even as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. God loves us. He wants us to succeed. He wants our souls to prosper so that we'll be making decisions that cause us to prosper in our health too and help our relationships to prosper. All those things that we fight with, you know, 99% of them will just go away if we'll just be obedient to God and stay submitted to Him. You know, just like Jesus looked forward to the, the joy that was set before Him, you know, which was us, which is you, uh, that's how he endured the cross. That's how he despised the shame. Uh, so we got to do what he did. we got to look forward to the joy that's set before us, you know, which is him and eternal life with him. And that's how we can endure our cross. And that's how we can overcome our sin in our life. We do it by obedience to God and uh, trusting God that his promises are true and his word is true and he'll never leave us or forsake us. And he'll always be there with us in our hard times. There's no temptation, no no hard time that you'll ever go through that God will not help you through if you'll bring it to Him. But the problem is, most of the time we don't bring it to Him. We try to fight it out on our own. And like I said, obedience is learned. You know, and hopefully that's what we'll be talking about next week, if God's willing. Uh, Hebrews 12 goes on to talk about the chastening of the Lord and uh, how that brings out the fruit of righteousness in our lives. And uh, the chastening of the Lord teaches us obedience. You know, I just said a while ago, uh, Jesus learned obedience through his suffering, and so do we. You know, change is not easy. Every time you make a change, you've got to give something up. And uh, we don't like giving stuff up. Josh was preaching a lot about that on Sunday. He was talking about a true friend, and uh, Jesus called us friends. We just read that. A true, and, but if we want to be a friend of God, you know, it's easy for us to say, God is my friend, but how about us being a friend to God? You know, he sacrificed for us. He gave his life for us. But Josh was saying on Sunday, in order to be a true friend, you got to be willing to sacrifice. you got to be willing to die to yourself and be loyal to that friend. You got to be submitted to that friend and determine in your heart to be committed no matter what the circumstances are and be willing to endure, you know, that relationship no matter what the circumstances are. So if we're going to call Jesus our friend. We got to be willing to do those things for him. We got to be willing to sacrifice ourselves and be loyal to him, be submitted to him and, you know, determined to be committed to him no matter what is going on. You know, James says if we're not committed to the Lord and we're, you know, we're jumping the fence and we half the world and half God, he calls that double-minded. He said if we got that kind of mindset, then we shouldn't think we'll receive anything from God. We have to be committed and submitted to him. Uh, like I said, Josh was preaching on friendship Sunday, but he was all the way back in the book of Ruth. He was talking about Ruth and Naomi and 
we're all the way in the New Testament in Hebrews, talking about Jesus and the Father and Jesus in us. But you can start in Genesis and go all the way through Revelation. And it's a theme all through the Bible. You know, God loves you. God is committed to you. God died for you. And he just wants us to love him back. He just wants us to trust him and receive Jesus as our Savior. He just wants us to be committed to him. He wants us to be his friend, you know. We don't just have God as our friend. He wants us to be his friend too. And uh, next week, God willing, we'll talk about how God wants you to obey him because he loves you. Not because you're wrong and not because he's mad at you, uh, but because he loves you. And he wants what's best for you. So if you are weary and faint in your faith today, consider Jesus. Like we read in verse 3 a while ago. Study Jesus. Do like the prodigal son and come to your senses and go back to God. You know, you're never going to get better on your own. You're never going to get better looking to the world for help. If you really want to help, get to Jesus, and he will help you. Help you. You know, talk to him. Get in his word and let him talk to you. Uh, get your eyes off your sin and look at Jesus. God don't care about your sin. He's already paid for that. So there's no sense in us looking at it. God's not looking at it anymore. He's looking at the cross. So come to Jesus. Get to the cross. And uh, God will help you from there. But we've got to surrender and submit to him first. And if you've never done that, I don't ever like to close a, a service without giving you the opportunity to give your life to Christ. And if you don't know how to do that, you know, whether you're here or online, it's really simple. You just realize that you need God. You need a Savior. And uh, you just tell God that. God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died for me on the cross. And I please come into my heart and save me. And he will do that. You know, like I told you earlier, it don't matter what you've done. It don't matter if you're still doing it. Bring it to God and he'll forgive you and he'll save you right there. And I always like to give you these verses so you don't have to take my word for it. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says, If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Uh, if today is the day that you gave your heart to Christ, tell somebody about it. You know, let it come out of your mouth and confess it to somebody else. And the Bible says you'll receive salvation. You will be saved. But don't let anybody tell you you're too bad and you went too far. Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about what Jesus has done for us all night long. Uh, Romans 5, 8 says, God showed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the whole reason Jesus came is because God knew after the Garden of Eden that we're all born sinners. You know, we didn't choose it. You know, I told you that earlier. We were born into it. He came to save us from that. So while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He don't come to save righteous people. He comes to save sinners, and we are all sinners. So if you've never done that, uh, I encourage you to do that. But like I said, if this is your first time watching online, thank you for tuning in. We were glad to have you, and thank you guys for, for being here. Let me pray for us, and we will be dismissed.
Father, thank you again for the message you laid on my heart this week. Lord, I just pray for everybody here, Lord, that you would help us to do what your word says in James, to not just be hearers of your word, but help us, Lord, to be doers of your word so that we can do the things you want us to do in our lives, so that we can experience the peace of God that your word talks about, so we can experience the joy that your word talks about. And uh, get rid of some of the problems, Lord, that do weigh us and, and drag us down through our daily lives and keep us from having the relationships that we, that we would love to have, God. I just pray to you to help us, Lord, to, to submit to you and be obedient to you. And, Lord, we just thank you for loving us first. And it's in Jesus Christ's holy name I do pray. Amen.